Welcome to the Why Invest podcast with me, Doug Barnett, Portfolio Manager at Waverton. Now, we often make decisions about our health and well-being on incomplete information. We may have read something online or in a newspaper encouraging us to take X supplement or Y vitamin. Well, my guests this week want to change that. They are two unlikely partners. However, they are united in their goal to democratise healthcare. Their names are Ben Thompson and Thomas Olivier. They are the founders of Omnos, a brilliant new health and wellbeing platform that operates in the space in between traditional testing and consultations to give their users a holistic picture of their health. Now, in this episode, we discuss how they met, which is an amusing story, the actually quite complicated problem they're trying to solve to make things simple for their customers, the trials and tribulations of fundraising, and as usual, we'll share some advice for our younger listeners who are starting out in the world of work. They're a brilliant duo. I love chatting to them. Do check out their website at omnos.me. But without further ado, this is the Why Invest podcast. Ben and Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Now I'm going to start with backgrounds. And I'll come to you first, Ben. Ben, where did you grow up? Where did you study? And how do you start your career? I grew up, if you know the book, Wind in the Willows, in Mole's house on the River Thames. Couldn't have been a nicer spot. And I went on to study theoretical physics at Edinburgh University under Professor Higgs of the Higgs boson. And my real interest was in muons, which is a very esoteric particle, which is now causing a lot of attention because it's at the heart of whether quantum mechanics works or not. So that's very boffin-like. I was also, and I suppose this comes round to health, an international athlete for Scotland for 10 years, which I started doing while I was at university there. And uh, my father was Scottish. And so that really kindled a passion of what you can do to help your body get the best possible performance. I then joined Kleinwort Benson, which was an investment bank in London, a complete career change in the mid 80s. And since then, I've been in finance. I ran Scotland's largest investment bank for 13 years and have set up a couple of fund management companies. So it's been a very mixed and varied career. I see, I see. And same question to you, Thomas. Yeah, so my background, uh, the only impressive maybe similarities with Ben is being an athlete as a starting point. I was a professional swimmer in the early days and I guess this is what got me into uh, sports science and nutrition aspect of things more specifically, because at the time there was not much to learn on how to optimize performance through nutrition. And when I started tweaking a few things for my performance, it made a massive difference. And I got very much interested into all this and coaching athletes was one of my first thing to do as a professional after my uh, sports science, and uh, really, again, trying to go more into details, uh, looking at DNA and, and looking at how can an individual, how can I actually have a bit of a dashboard, uh, a bit like a Formula One, you will have like a seven engineer looking at one car running around. We are a lot more complex. Uh, what would we not have a dashboard like this one? And, and trying to understand what makes us uh, different from a, an athlete to another and really trying to tweak in real time or, or you know, the, the training or uh, to optimize their performance. And this is how it all started for me. Uh, and then on, then I, I started 
a bit more into the health journey and expanding into functional medicine, uh, looking at uh, blood markers and different things to help people actually, not anymore about their performance, but a lot more about realizing actually with athletes that all those genes that we were looking at were also the same genes that we would look at for prevention of disease and the main four big killers, which are uh, dementia, cardiovascular disease, cancer, and type 2 diabetes. So the set of genes that I was looking for athletes were also very useful to understand uh, the predisposition to those diseases. Uh, so that got me very interested, in, and that was a starting point, I guess, in, in my mission to democratize health and trying to make it a lot more accessible and genetic testing a lot more accessible for everyone. Well, we're going to come on to Omnos and, and the value proposition, but I want to know, because um, you have quite different backgrounds, I suppose, how, how did you meet? It's a funny story. We both used the same labs for genetic testing, and the person who was involved in that introduced us and said, I think, Ben, you're looking at how you put all these different tests together, and Thomas has got a great platform already up for genetics. Why don't you to put the two businesses together? So we met, and Thomas was half an hour late which I think he had the best excuse, which was, I've just come from a hospital where my wife has had our first baby an hour ago. And I have to say that is, as excuses go, that is a brilliant one to have. I was all sweaty. It was an amazing experience. Still really high in adrenaline. It was like, hi, Ben. <laughs> well, you made the meeting. That's impressive. Yeah, I did. I did. Well, I think it was fate after that that we should join our businesses and create Omnos. Well, let's introduce Omnos. And Ben, why don't you kick off? What's the value proposition? What problem are you trying to solve? Well, the reality is, Douglas, that we know often we make a lot of judgments about health with very little information indeed. I'm chairman of a company called Planet Organic, which sells a lot of supplements. And I would suggest that most people who come in to buy a supplement have very little personalized knowledge. They're basing their knowledge that they should take vitamin D or vitamin B12 or they should take iron on a Daily Mail article or something they read in a magazine, whereas they don't really have a proper understanding of how their body works. So the Omnos proposition is you can go onto our platform. It's absolutely free. You can start taking some questionnaires, which will start assessing which areas of your health may be problematic and starts advising you on medical tests that you can take at home that'll give real insights about the state of your health. And that's things like minerals tests, environmental toxins tests, hormone tests, blood tests, which give you really good insights into what could be causing some problems. The platform then really explains what's going on. It joins all the tests together. And that's the really unique thing about it. It joins them together to look at them from lots of different aspects. So you can get some of these tests, most of them actually, from other players, but they only look at one test. What we do is we, as Thomas will say, join the dots together between all these different tests and give you clear recommendations. We give a consultancy for every test that you buy so that you get 15 minutes of someone actually explaining it to you. You can buy longer consultancies with an expert if you like, and we give clear recommendations of what you should do. That could be lifestyle changes, that could be taking supplementation, or it could be going to visit an expert if there's a problem that needs further investigation. So it's a very holistic platform that allows you to assess your health. 
I mean, it sounds to me like you you sort of exist in the space in between a lot of the competition and you sort of join the dots, as you say. What are the other options for people? Do they have to go to different healthcare provider, to different healthcare provider and build their, their own picture up themselves? I'm just trying to understand what the sort of alternatives are to using the Omnos platform. So it depends what problem you have. If you've got a stress problem or you're tired or you've got bloating. But let, let's say you've got a food-related, stomach-related issue, you might go to a nutritionist. And a nutritionist will probably have a few tests they really like, like a microbiome test, possibly a minerals test to start telling you what's going on. And they will start to put the pieces together. If they're really enlightened, they may widen that to say, well, the problem might not be food, it might be stress-related, or it might be something to do with... Um, toxins in your body. So let's widen that range. They will get you to do the tests. When they come back, they'll get the lab results. And then the nutritionist will have to figure it all out together to put those different things in place to try and build an assessment. You can, of course, try and do it yourself. But most of these medical test results are pretty gobbledygook for anyone who isn't a trained medic or nutritionist or biochemist. And what does the actual platform look like? You, you said you can go onto your website, which I recommend we'll put it in the show notes and encourage our listeners to do so. But um, you know, what does it sort of look and feel like? What we're doing is making the complex simple. Okay, So in the sense that having a, a, the problem of the ever-growing pandemic of chronic illness, the solution is to give informed choices to lead to a more effective prevention. And the way we do that, and we call this democratizing health, is by making this complexity simple. So we are taking uh, tests that you could have with your GP, for example, blood markers you could have with your GP, uh, or, or hormone tests. But all of those are really complex to understand, and you need to be trained as a professional to be able to deliver uh, insight to your client. So the idea is to decentralize everything through a platform and give you the ownership of all those data in the sense that you have access to everything, but also in the sense that we're going to educate you on what that means and give you attached to this what you should do about it. Things to do, things to avoid, sometimes things to take, or even people to see. And based on whatever conditions you may have or, or the algorithm working out what the issue you are, you'll be redirected to the right people to see. I think this is the powerful tool we have created here because it's really a well-connected, secure ecosystem where the population can be linked to health professional, but on top of that, having all of those data that health professional needs to, to guide you through your, your health optimization journey. I suppose I wonder where you see the sort of strength of the business model. Is it in your sort of superior algorithm or do you think it's your ability to connect to your customers or your patients, I suppose, faster. What do you think the sort of secret source to the business is? I think it's the combination of the two, to be honest. It is that no one else is combining all of this in one place is really important. But then being able to combine data is useless unless people can really do something with it and understand it. So it's only in the combination of the two. And it has taken Thomas and I really since 2016, first working separately and then working together to create something that enables to combine exactly what you said, which is simplicity and ease of access to the user, but with real complexity of how all these tests join together. 
Yeah. So we're really, I think, disrupting the industry in that sense that all is in one place. And the technology is defensible in the sense that the architecture behind it is very unique. Connecting the dots between all of those data points, and there's more than 3,000 of them, from lifestyle questionnaires, symptom assessments with uh, different tests, not only makes things a lot more granular for someone, so you don't have to test for everything. If you start, for example, with the self-assessment or the symptom questionnaire, the algorithm will work out what is the next best things for you to do, right? And then you just go more and more granular. And then because you go granular, the targeting the, the recommendation is a lot more efficient. And the, the result is a lot more efficient. We even give you the, the sense of priority on what you should be doing first. So I'll give you a concrete example. You are being told that from your genetic test, you are predisposed to be anemic and you feel tired and, and low. We understand that you are more into the, the vegetarian side and not necessarily eating a, a lot of meat. And we understand that you also you have bloating from your uh, symptom assessment, but after you don't feel your digestion is, is doing really well. But we then advise you a wellness complete test. We look at that and we, oh yeah, actually you're low in iron. So the, the normal course there would be for a GP to give you iron tablet, and that is happening a lot. But if you just look in this isolation, you can go into uh, ignoring other things that may actually be impacting your iron level. Because here you have bloating, it gives us a bit of an insight, oh, maybe you have microbiome issue. And we look at your microbiome, and actually, yes, you do have certain bacteria that feeds on iron. So you can take those iron tablets, but it's just going to make your your gut health even worse, and you're still not going to absorb iron and long-term not even absorb other nutrients. So you're just going to get worse. So the course of action, the priority for you would be to look at removing this iron, angry parasite, and that's your first thing. And then replating on iron and then replating on other nutrients. So this is the course of action through the Omnos platform that is very different. It's really having the this order of priority and looking at the whole picture. I mean, to me, it- Sounds like an exciting proposition because it is preventative and proactive rather than reactive. So I would imagine that this would save the NHS millions of pounds. So I wonder what, in your mind, the addressable market for the proposition is. And then, you know, what are the revenue streams? How do you actually monetize the platform? So let me answer that. Um, The platform allows you to take tests and also to buy supplements and take consultations. So those are real action points. And the tests cost money. So um, the tests range in value from about £50 up to about £450. We take a margin on the tests that we sell people. So that's how we make money. Likewise, when we recommend supplements, we make a margin on that. People get them at exactly the same retail price they would in the shops. So there's no difference to the end consumer. And of course, they're getting all that functionality of the platform together with the test or the supplement that they buy. So everyone's really a winner. We make money, the test providers make money, and the consumer gets it at the value that they would have got in the shops or if they'd bought it online, but with all this functionality of the platform of how the test fits in. And presumably, it also takes some stress out of the NHS. That's somewhere down the line. So we have five different target markets to get people onto the platform. The first is the biohacking community, the people who love health who are online. And that market really understands and likes what we're doing. My wife would call them the worried well. 
uh, and I probably include myself in that number. And they really understand what we're doing. And there are 7,000 of those who've already joined and buying tests and repeat buying tests. The next area really is, is the practitioners. And the practitioners are really catching on to what we're doing. And you might think it might be a bit of a threat to have a platform that describes everything that you might be advising your client. But actually, it's a real help because often the practitioners know about one or two tests. They don't know about the full range. And having a system where they can put their clients on and look at all that information together really helps them. So we created a practitioner's platform at the end of last year, and already over 200 practitioners have signed up in the last few months. And the third area is through retail. So we're delighted to say that Selfridges have agreed to be our first retail provider, and we're going into their health bars in Selfridges, and you'll be able to get the full range of tests there. And the fourth area is we've signed up employment benefit companies that are looking to put it onto employment platforms. So employees can get from their employers these tests as part of their benefits package, which is great. And the last area, which is probably the biggest potential in the future, is talking to universities and the public sector about how we can widen this to a much more global audience, both in the UK and abroad. Because as you say, if we can demonstrate to government that giving people information about their health that changes their lifestyle and creates better health outcomes, the effect on reducing the burden on the NHS is huge. So that last one is the answer to your question, which is, if we really want to change the NHS, we've got to address health rather than critical illness. And the only way that Thomas and I believe you can address health is by giving people really good information about how to lead healthier lives and what the areas that they personally need to look at. You really have two different systems here. You have one system that is amazing to save your life when you need acute care. But then you have a system that the one like we are creating now, which is about predictive prevention and, and helping you not to get into those uh, clinical conditions. Because right now, 70% of the health social care budget goes into after the 30% of those uh, suffering from those conditions. And that's huge. We look at type 2 diabetes only is 150 billion a year. And type 2 diabetes, like a big majority of those, of those uh, conditions are totally preventable by changing your lifestyle, your diet, and your environment. But to date, we don't really have a tool that is engaging uh, someone, a user, or the population into learning what to do. We might have few information now, but it's all disfragmented, and we don't even explain you why you should do it. Uh, and this is what the platform do, is really uh, creating a bit of a new health architecture here. And I think this is our moonshot, really, that could work on, in collaboration with the NHS uh, for predictive prevention, to really put an end to this uh, ever-growing pandemic of chronic illness. That really is uh, becoming a huge burden, not only in the UK, but across the world, really. And I think it's projected within 10 years to cost $47 trillion worldwide. So that's enough to put any country down to their knees. Well, I can see it's an exciting proposition for sure. I want to turn, though, to the fundraising and the funding side of your business, because I know I'm aware that you are uh, undergoing a, a fundraise as we speak. 
My first question is, what audiences or what doors are you tapping on at the moment? Are you at the friends and family stage, the investor angel, or, or are you attracting some institutional capital through VCs? So to date, all the capital has come in through high net worth individuals and have put in over 2 million of that. Thomas and myself and the other a director on board called Kenneth McGregor have 66% of the company. So we haven't done an institutional round, but we feel now is the time to go out to institutions, EIS funds, VCTs, some public sector funds, because there's real interest at the moment in how we develop digital health to raise 4 million. Although we're starting to think about whether we should increase that a bit because there seems to be quite a lot of interest. And half of that will be EIS and half of it won't count towards EIS. And the reason for that is, As part of this fundraising, we're looking to acquire a provider of test kits. And the reason that that's really interesting for us is they send out the test kits to about 2,500 practitioners and organize for the labs to give them the results. So there's no platform involved. There's no sort of technology. It's just a simple facilitation service. But, of course, it gives us access to 2,500 practitioners who are buying tests through them, something like 13,000 tests a year, and will just lift the commercialization of our business to practitioners. So half of the money is going to be used to acquire that business, and half is going to be used to continue to develop the research and grow the um, awareness of Omnos in the market. I see. And actually, I suppose that kind of speaks to the the question earlier on, you know, where you see the value proposition. Is it in the, the product or is it in the route to market? And it sounds to me like it's a sort of balance between the two. I wonder, have you had to sort of adjust how you talk about your business? Now you're now you're starting to attract institutional investors. Now you're starting to sort of tap on the doors of some of the VCs. Have you had to have a sort of institutionalization of the proposition? No, I think... I think the company has always been set up with really good corporate governance and and a structure that is institutional. Given my background of investment banking, any company, I believe, needs to be structured with good corporate governance and good ESG. So it's in good form to get institutional funds. The finances are in place. We've got a good five-year budget. um, So the due diligence is all very readily available. So I don't think we need to do much by way of change to make the funding fit for purpose for institutions. But one thing I would say, and coming back on your comment on the value, is the value in the market or is the value in the product? I think there's a third area where the value is, which is in the data. And we haven't really talked about that yet. But at the moment, if you are a 23andMe or a Viome or a Thriver who do single tests for people, all of that data is on individuals and is anonymized at an individual level. The Omnos data, all of that data is for the individual is in one place. So we can start to make really interesting analysis of the data to say, right, We've got 700,000 bits of genetic information which come through our tests. We've got all these functional tests. We've got all these questionnaires. Let's start looking for positive correlations where the data matches an event. So you may say, look, let's look for all the people who have a symptom that might give rise to a liver problem and see if they all have a gene that 
has got a risk alley that reflects that. So um, that's really super exciting and very valuable. And although all the data is the individuals and we'd never give the data to a third party, the research and the analysis that we can do to get an understanding on that data is incredibly valuable, both monetarily and for society. And I think here is something to add is now the, the population is more and more aware about the use of their data on their behalf without them having any uh, cut of the cake, if, if you wish, share of the cake. And um, I think talking about data ownership is, is something very powerful because health data is, as we just explained, is one of the most valuable assets and it keeps growing. And especially in our ecosystem where it's all connected and it all makes sense. So we're also about um, really solving uh, the industry problem here in the sense that all data right now are siloed and lead to data fragmentation. And actually, when a lot of exciting news about AI and the promises it gives, it's not very applicable because all those data are siloed in different places. And if you really want to do big data research and look at AI and do some finding, uh, it's very difficult. There's no direct access to rich data sets uh, for research. And we are in a position to actually, within a search, create some cohorts with our database with a really rich data set across different uh, tests. So in this scheme, you could actually have a research institute paying for tests for users to have access to a lot of the data. Uh, and you do a bit of collaborative learning here in the sense that the user will benefit from health insight and potentially improve their health, but then the research will be improving. And I think that's amazing because right now on the patient or consumer aspect, there's this loss of ownership of their health data, but if insufficient access and control over their data, and they don't receive any, nobody receives any compensation about their data, and, and we know that the value is very strong here. So if we create an ecosystem where there's an end-to-end data set as a service, where we can do quick patient uh, call compiling, uh, data generation, quick secure data uh, access and exchange. It's really another dimension in terms of value of the business, I believe. To me, it seems like you're slightly pushing on an open door here. I mean, I think that, you know, the value proposition is clear. You know, you can see the, the problem that it's solving. I wonder, you know, as you look forward, what do you think that the challenges are? I mean, how does one scale a business like this? Are you going to have difficulty sort of hiring people, hiring the right people in the right place at the right time? I'm just trying to understand what the limitations of the business model are at the moment, as you see them. So, yes, resources are important. So, first of all, funding <laughs> is right at the top of the list and very important to us because we need to keep the pace of our innovation ahead of the rest of the market or people already looking at what we're doing and seeing how they might be able to try and copy it or back engineer it into their own systems. We're attracting great people. We have a great team. I don't think we'll have any problem attracting people because they all love the culture in Omnos and and recognize what we're doing is very different. Whereas 18 months ago, we had Thomas as the only full-time employee. We now have 12 full-time employees and another three consultants on the software side. So the business growing fast with what I would say is an absolutely fantastic team. So what is the risks, I suppose? The risks are that one of the other competitors really wants to just copy what we've done. Well, we take them a couple of years because it's not easy. 
but they have money and they have resources. So our job is to try and keep ahead of them, but also grow fast enough because what we have at the moment is better, in our opinion, than anything else that's out there. And then the other risk, I think, is regulation because we're in quite a grey area of regulation in that in the UK, health, as long as it's not giving uh, medical advice, as long as it's not prescribing medicines or clinical procedures, is not really regulated. And we think that it will be regulated and we welcome regulation. And we're doing things that in some of the other countries are already being brought in. So in Germany, if you do one of these tests, you have to offer some sort of consultation along with it, which we already do. We already have a doctor that checks every results that come in to look for any problems and so we can address them. So we would embrace regulation, but we also see it as something of a a threat because you never know what's going to happen when regulation comes in. We would want to work with regulators to do it. So I think those are the two biggest risks we would see, um, the regulatory risk and the competition risk as being the two things that I suppose, keep Thomas and I up up at night, um, incentivized to drive the business quicker and grow it faster to keep ahead of the others. You mentioned culture there, Ben, and, you know, going on to your website and reading through your various sort of pitch documents, there's a very clear identity to the business. You can really feel the sort of identity of the business. And I wonder if there are other businesses that, or brands, perhaps, that you look up to and you sort of almost want to emulate. On my side, you know, having been interested in the startup world for a long time, there's company that are where they are purely because of the culture. If you look at a company like Netflix or else, and being an outsider as well, in the sense that my background is not purely medical, has been very helpful to create a culture that make the new, if you wish, and in response of what people want in, in, in the sense that they want to be more engaged towards their health. It's just an answer to an awakening that, okay, what do I do if I want to be proactive towards my health? Um, and then is to create an army of people that network, that actually believe in the same thing, that it is also possible. Our genes are not our fate. Our health is not doomed. And we can actually be proactive and we can be educated about it. And now we have the science as well to prove it. And we can build all this and we can, you know, all do this do this together and actually solve one big problem of the society. So it's quite rewarding to create a culture and to have people buy into this culture. And when it's such a for a good cause, I would say, the passion is there. And if you go in the office in Nomnos, you, you can feel it. Or you come, come to one of our events, uh, the, the passion is here. And, and people are here because they want to contribute. Uh, they want to be those actors of change. And, and yeah. So the, the culture is very important, and, and I think it's a, a great one here at Omnus for sure. I was going to say one of the, and this may be a very odd one to um, to throw at you, but in the early 90s, I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be a fantastic idea if someone could put together something that combined our emails and our diaries and our contact lists and our spreadsheets and our presentations, so they're all sort of seamless and the same entity. Ben, are you saying that you came up with the iPhone? Not the iPhone, but Microsoft Office actually came up and joined that all together. In the same sort of way, we have 
um, lots and lots of health data about us that's all over the place? And the answer is, wouldn't it be fantastic if someone could put all that together and make it all user-friendly to actually allow you to really assess all your sort of health aspects in one place? And I'm not talking about culture here. I'm just talking about how you bring together something into one place and then you give someone a product that becomes so easy to use that people don't even think about the fact that Microsoft Office does all of this. You just think it's now natural. But in the 1990s, people would put all their contact lists on spreadsheets and they would have mail going in over there and you had to go into different systems. It was just very difficult. And what we're trying to do is do the same sort of thing to simplify that for health. That's a very good example, Ben. Now, this is the final question for you both. Um, We have a lot of younger listeners to this podcast, and I wonder what advice you would give to them if they are perhaps budding entrepreneurs. Um, What skills do they need to equip themselves with to be successful in the world of entrepreneurship? So I'm going to say one that's um, probably quite an odd one. I am actually a professor of entrepreneurship. And as I tell my students, I cannot actually be a professor of entrepreneurship because I can't spell entrepreneur. I've tried for years and years. But the attribute I think that you need to entrepreneurship is the ability to cope with failure. And I wasn't able to read until I was 12. I was so badly dyslexic. And so failure was almost second nature to me. But what it gives you is a massive determination to overcome things. And it also allows you to take risks. I've always thought sorry for the people who were head of school and never flunked an exam because actually it becomes very difficult to take risks because you're at the top of the tree. If you've got nothing to lose and you're always fighting from the bottom, you're much happier to take risks. And in the end, it's the people who take risks and have determination that succeed more often than not. So I know that's an odd way to answer the question, but... Don't be worried if you have failure, embrace it and learn from it and be determined to succeed. And that will make you an entrepreneur. That's a superb answer. And I would say something rather similar because I remember the days of having my backpack full of human specimen and genetic testing and wondering, is it even legal what I'm doing? <laughs> going to this risk. And we're talking about 20 years ago and going to the post office and this is how it started. And I think to do a bit different here is being an outsider is always a good thing because you don't have this conception of how things should be done. And this is how you could create the new. So having this outsider mindset almost uh, on things and, and trying to go in the industry, being inspired by other industry on how they do things, but bringing them to other industry, uh, I think it's fundamental to really disrupt things and, and, and innovate. Uh, and now it's all about innovation. And we, we have so many exciting new technology like you know artificial intelligence machine learning and all those different things coming up the iot the clouds and all of this combined there's so many things new to be created and i think it's it's about yeah being an outsider and, and determined to make the new would be the first thing on top of making sure that you are ready to take a lot of critics you know making all this happen for sure <laughs> thomas olivier ben thompson thanks for joining me Thank you. Thanks, Douglas. Thanks for listening to the Why Invest podcast with me, Doug Barnett, Portfolio Manager at Waverton, and our guests this week, Ben Thompson and Thomas Olivier, the founders of Omnos. If you've enjoyed this episode or indeed the series, why not like us, subscribe to us, 
and let your friends and colleagues know. The information provided during this podcast does not constitute investment advice and should not be relied on as such. It should not be considered a solicitation to buy or an offer to sell a security.